Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the fifteenth uh, episode of the CEO Journey podcast. Today, we have another incredible guest. He is best known as the UK's number one unconscious mind therapist, transforming the lives of multiple um, high-profile celebrities. He's also a best-selling author and serial entrepreneur. He goes by the name of Robert Heisey. Robert, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much, Tom, and um, thanks for having us on, son. I'm really looking forward to this. I've been so. Thank you. No, no worries. Well, I think it's interesting because one of our earliest episodes was actually with um, your business partner, Ted Lawler. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was really good. Yeah, he's yeah good no, 100%. And it was just great to understand how you two are working together, especially with the uh, Manifestation Journal, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the episode. Um, yeah. But I guess to um, kick it off, uh, one of the best ways I believe to understand a person today is by tracing it back to their earliest context. So, Robert, what was your upbringing like? And um, if you could basically just explain who young Robert Heisey was. Young Robert Heisey was this, well, I am dyslexic, got ADHD, but that one about then ADHD, it wasn't such a thing until I left secondary school. I think it was like 92 or something. ADHD become a thing. Um, so I was just always in trouble for being disruptive. I left school at 14 hated school it was like a prison for me i've got autistic traits um so school was really hard for me i, I fucking hated it um so i was the first one getting into i want i want the worst disruptive one horrible one i think just very disruptive i couldn't sit still i'd throw the rubbers i'd be fucking about all the time and <laughs> school weren't good for me i've seen my first stabbing at 11 see wow. someone get stabbed for the first time at 11 years old um, see someone get shot at 15 in the old Kent Road. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a life. It was. It always sounds really bad when you talk to it about it like that, but actually there was loads of good stuff being brought up in mm. South London and the council states, things that I really loved. You know, it was like a playground, our estate. There was Nick Cars at the end of the state. It was the 80s. So when I was young, 10 years old, there was 10, 11. That would have been 87, 88. There would have been like Nick Cars, even early 90s. There was also... Back then, there weren't like all the stuff on cars like there is now. So I learned to drive. So on the side, we'd get up at like about 10, 11, maybe 12 even. Mate, I'd come on his BMX and go, I see. There's a, I don't know, like, what was it at the time? It was like an XR2 or a RS Cosworth or whatever the fuck someone had nicked and left on the on the estate to joyride on. Or whatever, Escort, whatever, RS, whatever. <clears throat> and um, we'd get a BMX to go down there, take the car batteries off, take all the spoilers off and that, send them to your mate's brother. Yeah. and um, it's really funny now because he used to stitch us up he used to give us like a tenner or something yeah? it used to be like a bag of sweets each we used to fucking spend half the day grafting like stripping the cars and pioneer stereos and blur punt speakers and as we got older we thought you slippery bastard he's probably earning fortunes out of us you know what I mean he's mm -hmm. giving us a tenner and so I started off um, on the streets really like working class never done good at school so it's now to do with being academic um, and yeah so I started off in that world moved up into other sort of bad rubbish things um but music saved me mm. i got into a bit of trouble once and um that yeah and um yeah i can't talk about it but i got in a bit of trouble once and there was a lot of violence and i realized that i won't cut out for that world like my, some of my mates were um i had too much of a conscience conscience of wake up feeling bad you know um so i went into my, my music more um, so I've become a lead singer. I always played guitar since I was 11. So I started gigging. Yeah, become like a little face when I was about 18. I had all my indie air doing all that mm. um, and led the Bermondsey scene for the music. You know, I was a good, great guitarist, actually, for that age, really good. And, um, yeah, so I had, I had all that. And that was a lot, lot of, yeah, done a lot of music. And then for music... Fuck me, it's a long story. As it goes. I've been subbing and out so many things. I left school at 14. I worked for some like gangsters, melting aluminium, some old timers, melting alley and stuff. I learned a lot of um, ducking and diving through that. But I think one of the, the childhood memories, the one of the biggest for what your show's about, um, I would say one of my most important learnings was, was my dad, because I had ADHD and I was dyslexic. I left school at 14. And I worked, I was, I don't know, I mean, maybe say, say when I got to about 17, I've been in and out of jobs and all that. When I got to about, I've been even about 16, I don't know, 15, 16, I used to, my mates never used to go to work, so some of them never anyway. And um, I didn't want to go to work. I've been working since I was 14, so I used to be like, why can't I just fucking stay at home like them? So I used to 
the old man, I can't wake me up at seven in the morning, knock me bedroom door and say, yeah, get up. Again, it was like seven o'clock, got an hour. You fuck off out. You fuck off. You didn't want to go to school. You didn't want to go to school. You're going to fucking work. I'm finding a job. I just go, I just go, be fuming every single morning. He'd wake me up. I'd come downstairs, have a bit of breakfast, toast, a bowl of cornflakes, a coffee. And he'd be sitting there like that going, watching me. I used to think, fucking prick. I used to think he was horrible. I used to hate him for it. Go on, fuck off. Tada, you've been punching off me. You must have another thing coming. Get out. Go on, fuck off. And I used to go, so I used to get around the corner of the park and shout, you ain't come off. Give it to him. And he'd go, bye. Like, winding me up. He used to love it. But it was right. The best thing he ever done for me was being hard on me. And I think chucking me out, like not having me sit around the ass was the best thing he'd done because I didn't give a fuck about ever getting a job anyway. So I used to walk along all the factories through Bermondsey. Mm. Walk in and go, you got any jobs, mate? Think of fuck where it was. Any jobs? And I'd have, I'd have loads of jobs. I'd have paint, decorating, fucking works in chemical factories, fucking pot, pot factories, everything. But, so at first of all, I'd go around my mate's house and sit and have a joint and go back to sleep on even my pal's bed. And all of a sudden, there'd be these days when no one was about. Mm. So I used to think, oh, fuck it, I'll have to go and find a job. So, unknowingly, walking into places and getting rejected and not caring and going to the next place, got any jobs, mate? Them early, them early things he taught me, he's got a law of averages, he's got to me, it's a law of averages, boy. One of them say, yeah, walking fucking 10 of them, someone's going to give you a job. And, um, that law of averages thing always stuck in my head. And I think one of the, the best things they've done for me was be hard on me by chucking me out, making me go and find a job. But being able to walk into places and ask for the job, I think that was one of my biggest gifts that he gave me because I was never scared of failure. I was never mm. scared of someone saying no. And when I got into sales many years later, I didn't give a fuck if they said no. If anything, I think, yeah, how can I come back and get you? It's fucking be like a game to me. I didn't give a shit about the no. It'd be more about how I'm going to get the yes. And some of my clients took me two years to get. I keep going back and driving them fucking mental. But um, I think that was one of the biggest learnings was just to be able to knock on doors and not give a shit about rejection, just knock on another one, if that makes any sense. No, 100%. And, uh, yeah, definitely humble beginnings. Um, and, yeah, it's just great to see how you progressed as well. And uh, if we talk about what you've mentioned about having severe ADHD and dyslexia, what challenges did that arise for you? Oh, killed me at school. Sitting still, being able to, you know, when you've got ADHD, you have to move. You can't mm. help but move, yes? I've been fidgeting, and you can't help it. It's your neurology. It's my foot. We go, stop fucking banging your foot. I say, get outside. Stop fidgeting. And then I'll be sitting there, like, trying not to fidget. And now I can't think on my work, because if I don't move, I can't think. So it was it was hard for that. It was hard to, you know, pay attention to what the teachers were talking about. If I didn't care, if I didn't have an emotional charge, if it wasn't about boxing or something I was interested in, then I couldn't get into it. Yeah. If it was something, if I had something that I was, that I enjoyed, like boxing or something, I'd write 10 pages and they'd go, see, if you put your mind to it, you can do well. It's only because I fucking enjoyed it. Yeah. And I had an emotional charge. Then I hyper-focus. I'm a better focuser than you. And anyone else hasn't got it. We're actually better focusers, but only on things that we enjoy and mm -hmm. have an emotional charge to. So I'd hyper-focus on it. But then if it was something like the Second World War, something I didn't really give a shit about, even though like, my grandmother's in the Second World War, my dad loved it because his dad was in it. It was all grey images. It was grey, death, boring. I didn't fucking give a shit. I couldn't get myself into that, you know, to find it. So I couldn't, the teacher would be talking, they're going one ear and out the other. And I'd be really trying to listen and trying to learn. I really did try to learn. They weren't like, I didn't try to learn. I fucking really did. And um, I couldn't withhold the information. So I think that was difficult school. But when I got chucked out of that school and I went to another secondary school called Blackheath and Blue Coach, where you couldn't speak in class, fuck me, that was like being in prison. I lasted five minutes. Yeah. I was bunking. I was only there for about two months. I was bunking school every day. <laughs> I was um, literally... My dad would even come and find me on the estate, give me a slap while I put me in the back of the motor, drive me back to Black Eve. I'd walk up the, up the fucking stairs, through the back, out the back near the rugby club, back on the bus, down the old kit road to me bells again. I just I was uncontrollable with that. That was just too much. Like, um, And I was just getting in trouble for that, you know, getting punished. But no one knew what ADHD was. So it was a really confusing time at school, really confusing for me. There was enough it made sense. I couldn't help but not focus and i got in trouble for it and that confused you like oh i don't know what i'm doing wrong after time you know so yeah. that was a hard time 100 and i completely get that and i guess to put it into a bit of context uh the last episode i had was with a guy called uh rory samuel and he like yourself very successful had a multi-million pound exit at the age of 25 26 and now building a um very fast growing tech startup and he also suffered with severe adhd and dyslexia 
and um, I guess traditional convention would that force us to understand it as a detriment and you know we'd stereotype yeah. someone being lack of focus not hard working somebody who's but who, who done that to us the schooling system exactly. they're only designed to make good workers not dreamers and, and entrepreneurs so the, the, the mindset between you know being at school is nothing like a mindset of an entrepreneur there's nothing they're not programming you or teaching you to be successful or teaching you to be a successful worker there's a big difference yeah, big difference. Completely agree. And, which is uh, fine, which is no, nothing wrong with that. Wherever your dreams are, your dreams, you know, so it's cool. But the problem is with the academic intelligence, the way of teaching is they take away our vision and our creation. And then we're just looking for a job that pays good money instead of thinking about what, what runs in alignment with ourselves. And that's the fucking problem with it, you know? No, 100%, completely agree. And uh, I guess just to um, uh, shorten it a bit, but he was... He, he was able to harness the power of having ADHD and turn it into, he describes it as a superpower. So I was just wondering if you share the same thoughts as him and how were you able to, uh, you know, turn it around into something really positive? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of successful people with ADHD use that phrase, um, superpower, and it's true, it is a fucking superpower. Like he's just telling the truth. Um, I think we all know that once you've got ADHD. I mean, if, if you look at, I've done a lot of podcasts, um, the Minecraft podcast, Robert Ice Minecraft podcast, if you look on now, all the people that are um, really successful all have ADHD. My mate Dapper laughs. I told him he had, I told him he had ADHD fucking years ago. He's only just been diagnosed. I said, you've got severe ADHD. Um, but they won't give him medicine. They said, if we give you the medicine, it'll fuck your career up because mm. you lose your personality, you lose, you know. So, but Dapper can really focus on his stuff. You know, he gets up at four in the morning and writes scripts. He's really good at focusing on the things that he cares about. Mm. So, you know, Wayne Lineker, 14 left school. We have 40 people working for him on the markets. Um, Dame Kelly Holmes may have even had it because she said to me she couldn't focus the school, but she had to pass English and maths to get into the British Army. And that's the only two GCSEs she got because that's mm. all she needed to do. That's a stereotypical mindset of it. And I'm not saying that she has got it, but it fucking sounds like it. And you'll find that years ago, you know, they used to say it was dyslexic people. Mm. Uh, 80% of self-made millionaires ran that figure of dyslexia. New studies prove if you're dyslexic or dyspraxic, you have ADHD. So those are people that don't even realise they got it. And then people with ADHD have to be either dyslexic or dyspraxic. So new brain scans have been shown for the last six or seven years now, yeah? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people getting diagnosed with things and it's people diagnosed and don't even realise that there's a connection. So mm -hmm. they're still getting in fucking trouble for things that have nothing to do with it. So if you're dyslexic or dyspraxic, you have ADHD. And if you have ADHD, you're either dyslexic or dyspraxic. It's part of the same fucking spectrum. So... Saying years ago, 80% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic, that means they have ADHD. Yeah. Um, because we hyper-focus. So we're not good at everything, but we're specialists. So things that we enjoy, we're like, off the fucking chart, good at. But the average things that, the things that tick through in life, like pan bills, being organised, come that sometimes shit. Depends on what you enjoy. Depends what you put your phone. Mm. Some of the best um, academic people have ADHD. Some of the super, the, the elite, because they're hyper-focused. They enjoy school, so they become better at schooling than a normal person. So generally, you find that we're specialists in what we what we have a, a connection to. So the schooling system teaches you how not to ask for help, um, don't make mistakes. It's all about your journey. Do it alone. Entrepreneurs are the complete opposite. They ask for help. They want to make loads of mistakes. Yep. I forgot the other one was, but yeah, it's, it's always the reverse anyway. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. asking for help. You need an accountant. You need a fucking. You need a financial advisor. You need fucking investors. You need help. What the fuck? What do you mean? Yeah. Don't need help. Everyone needs help. The actual, the best thing about being having ADHD is the more you ask for help, the more it gets done. I don't fucking do my accounts. You're fucking joking. I'm sitting in front of a computer. I ain't got time for that shit. Looking at digits, my brain of fry. I smashed the fucking thing up. I couldn't handle it. It caused me too much attention because yeah. my brain's like wired that way. So I pay some fucker to do that. What the fuck do I do that for? And you know, some people enjoy digits. My nephew loves digits and he fucking thrives on it. So let people that enjoy it do it. Make sure you pick a, a career you love. Um, so, you know, you, it's it's more about creation. Human beings are creators. And that is the, the biggest thing for people to understand is that it's not meant to be academic. You're all fucking brainwashed. You're meant to be a creator. Look around you now in the room that you're in, you know, see if you can find me anything that never started as a thought before it was created as an object or a thing. You're going to find nothing except what comes from nature and the earth in its original form, like humans, trees, plants, cats, dogs, wind, rain, sand, snow. Everything else you're looking at was once created as a vision 
inside of a brain as an internal image for those little electronic pulses creating these internal images in our mind yeah before it's created outside there is a thing you know there's not a cat tree there's not a jumper tree there's not a fucking window tree you know mm -hmm. thoughts literally become things as we hear on the secret and things like that and i don't think people are aware of if you look at the inside and outside of every building in the country except for what comes from nature and the earth in its original form it would have been created inside of a human brain what would the world be like now if there weren't thoughts? There'd be fuck all. We'd be standing there, start bollock naked in the woods. There'd be nothing, yeah? yeah? So we've got to understand that you're a creator and everything gets made twice. First inside the mind as a vision and then outside here as a thing on object, including fucking you. You get created twice. You've got yeah. to see your future. You've got to create what you want to be. But the academic intelligence fucks us up because we try to figure out how we're going to get there. Yeah, no, yeah? no. I'd, I've had a I've had a, a, a meeting this morning. I told you I'm running a bit late because I had an investment meeting with an investor, my other investor, um, out of pull out last minute. You know, we had fucking contracts done, a business went under it airs and out of pull out. Mm. I don't give a fuck. I was, my my vision's not changed. Yeah. So I've got another one today, sweet. So fucking what? I don't give a shit. I don't care how I'm gonna get there. I just know I'm gonna get there. And that's that's the trick behind it. You've really got to have your focus on that you know you're gonna be there. And have that clear image of how it's going to look at the end. Without that, you ain't going anywhere. It's a yes. bit like a satellite navigation system. If you don't put a postcode in it, how's it going to fucking take you anywhere? What is a postcode? It's your final destination. If you don't put a final destination in in your brain, how the fuck are you supposed to get anywhere in life? Try and, mm. You know what I mean? You don't you don't work the map out on the sat nav. You mind your own fucking business. You let the map tell you, didn't you? It's the same as the brain. You've got to put your focus on the outcome, and that's your pro-dominant thought. Just let it yeah. come to you. I don't know how I'm going to fucking get there, but it's, it's coming together and the app's coming out in um, February and it's fucking going to blow other mental health apps and that out of the water. It's unbelievable. So me and Ted have been working on it, keeping our head down. Um, and it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It is really, wow. really unbelievable. So no. I, can't wait. I can't wait for it. It's going to take over. Right? It's going to take over. Looking Promise. forward to seeing that as well. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, you share such an incredible outlook and uh, everything we just discussed then. Um, but I guess in the next part of your life was obviously a sales job you had, wasn't it? So how did you get into sales? Oh, I went out a few companies before. I had a, like, a courier company that went under in, uh, in the 2006 or something like that. If a little recession kicked in, I got knocked. I had to go around and get me money. Fucking drove me mad. Um, my mate went... Uh, I worked within the print a few years before and said to me, Rob, mate, you've got to get in the sales, you should be blind in here. Mm. And um, he said, it's fucking easy, mate. You're going to give you a company credit card, a car. So I never went to school. He said, fuck that. He said, just blag a CV when you don't need it. Once, you get, once you've had two years experience, you, they'll take you. No one gives a fuck about where you went to school. It's about experience itself. So he said, right, go to this agency. So I went to Egham in Surrey, drove over there. And I went to this, there's the first sales, first job interview I think I've had like proper legitimate job interview in years and actually it wasn't a print one cut of print ones um I went to this job interview I went to this agency and they applied for this um sales trainee job yeah there's a company from Belgium called Winsol um it's doing awnings and glass rooms and shit like that um, but I was selling to businesses that then sell on to the end user so it was like a company that manufacturers to the um, suppliers sort of thing so I um, went for this interview and I knew I had the job when I went for the first interview because I ended up interviewing him I ended up asking him about golf asking him that and the geezer I could tell he loved me by the end of it and I come out of there and as I left I said um, have you got any questions I said yeah can I have the job and he laughed you know I can't tell you that yet Robert you know, you know let's see how we go and I went out and I said oh you asked any questions and I went but that's what got me the job because it come out, it come to the end of it. I went to the second interview and he said it was out of you. And there was another guy. He said, on paper, he's much better than you. He went university, you know, he's, he's, he's exams, he's passed for everything he's done. He's amazing. Yeah. On paper. He said, but he couldn't ask for the clothes. I knew he wouldn't ask. He wouldn't be able to close the deals. He said, I know you can. He said, so I'm giving you the job. And, um, that was it. And I, I got into sales. They gave me a company credit card and a couple of weeks training in the factory in Belgium and I sent it back to the UK give me a company credit card a, a brand new motor mm. and to win on the week's training with a, with a sales manager of the country I had the south east of England at the time 
And I remember going on the I remember going on the sales training with him, thinking, going into these meetings, they were talking about the euro and our bollocks and two minutes about the product and the rest of it. We sat there drinking tea and he went, we had about four clients that day, over a bit of taking one of them for a meal for lunch and that. And then I thought, when, when is the work going to start? And oh, it was a good day. What do you think of that? I was like, yeah, great. Couldn't fucking believe it, how easy it was. I'm used to Irishmen on the building site. My old man going, get up there, you little cunt. Get up the fucking ladder. Bring that fucking shit up here. <laughs> so when you, were sitting, you know what I mean? Give it to them. I'm thinking, this is yeah, work. Yeah. Getting paid for this. I couldn't believe me fucking luck, right? So I smashed it. I just smashed myself. I love people. Yeah. Like listening to Zig Ziglar. He's, an, he's really good for psychology as well, actually. One of my early learnings is a guy from Texas, really old cassette tapes. I just listened to him, um, how to influence people and listen to how the mind works and how to move stories around metaphors. And um, driving around in the cassette tape in my car and I got into it and I loved it. And I was like hanging out clients um, and I smashed it. Yeah, I just absolutely just cleared up. And I remember sitting in them for a sales meeting one month, like once once a month, I go for a sales meeting. And this guy was going, oh, well, I've had such a hard day. And, um, you know, I've been to, I drove here, I drove there, and I'm looking at him thinking, mate, you don't know you're fucking born. You are, I agree. It was, to me, it was impossible to have a fucking hard day in this job. And that's when I'm going from, where you should be on a building site and see how that fucking bit of hard work is. Um, so for me, it wasn't hard work. It was fun. I'm driving about, mobile phone, was on the phone all fucking day in between things. Um, and I loved it, and I smashed it, and I smashed it so much, the Germans had done it in me. And... Offered me twice the salary, twice as much on my credit card, and a fucking twice a better car. I was like, Phew, I was gone. Went with the Germans. Um, and that's how I really got into neuro-linguistic programming about the mind. Mm. A guy called Tilo Weinemann from a company called Weinart in Cologne, Germany. Um, and I worked. I, wor I, went, I went there, and he just he just blew me away, the fellow. How he dealt with people, and he started teaching me. I started asking him, how do you do this? How'd, you know, how do you... What, what is it? What do you do? And he was teaching me about neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, um, designed in the 70s. It's an unconscious mind therapy. It was my first step into that world. And these techniques blew me away. So I got into that, you know, um, I got into that first of all. And mm. that's, how, that's how the mind game come along. And that's, I just become obsessed with it. Wow. Wow. Um, and I guess the reason why I asked about the uh, sales job is because I see a... Uh, a big trend with a lot of successful people like yourself who tend to start off in these sales orientated roles. And that's forced me to question, you know, what is it about these sales jobs that breeds or helps breed successful people like yourself? As the fucking, the, the practice of knocking on doors and getting no's because you're going to get so many fucking no's before you get a yes. Because as I said on another podcast, that so many people, you know, people are so negative. They'll say no 10 times before they say yes anyway. So you can't take it fucking personal. They're just programmed for that mm. way. So I love, I think the thing is that with sales, you have to get more closed doors. If you're a good salesman, your doors are more big, they'll be shut more than open. You have to keep the fuckers off, yeah? Mm. So that, that what's the worth of that? that? The desire to just keep going, that, that stamina to just keep moving forward. Um, and the big picture at the end of it, you can always get rewarded for it. So you know that you're going to get your bonuses. So without a bonus, would I work as hard? Would I fuck? If I had a wage? No. And that's what used to fuck my company. I could have earned more for my company because I used to smash my targets. I knew my targets were smashed in three months for the year. So then I'd slow down. because I didn't want to make them harder for myself next year because my me, me commission, my bonuses were capped. So why the fuck would I want to, what, for ego? Like, there is a lot of jobs worth out there to do. Like, I used to be, fuck that. I slowed down now and paced myself for next year because otherwise my targets have been massive. So that's, the governor was always buzzing with me because I sold everything more than anyone else. Um, and I sold more um, external samples and things. I just smashed everything. And and that was it, really. I've got, you know, salespeople need goals to move forward. And I think I got so good at sales and I took over the south of England in the end and just had it a lockdown. No one could touch me. Wind so out, pull out the country because I closed them down. I just took every company off of them. Um, and then that was boring. Where do I go from now? Unless I move to Germany and speak fucking German and I could move up in the office side of it, which I didn't want to do. Um, it was, I just become, and that I was just there. And I was learning more about the mind. I studied with all the Californians, all the world's greats, hypnosis. And I just kept, and I just fell in love for it, mate. And I just thought, wow. This is where I'm going. So I was working and on the side. I was doing clients at first. Mm. So, I, so I really got it good. And then I left and went full-time at this. But 
answer your question, sales is all about trying and failing and being used to it. If you're a good salesperson and also learning the art, for me, the art of selling isn't selling. It's keeping your mouth shut. All these idiots that go, oh, I sell ice, um, ice to the Eskimo, Sands, the Arabs, they're fucking useless. They'll go from one company to another company to another company. It's all shit. Because if you talk too much, you can lose any fucking sale. So it's more about sitting back, seeing what problems they got, and working on that one thing. Mm. Because trying to sell yourself too much, when you t- tell them how good you are and what you can do, you, you, you can put problems in their mind that think, oh, actually, I never thought about that. I better speak to the bot, or I better speak to my wife, or I better speak to someone else. So it's really about just listening, keeping your mouth shut, seeing what their problems are, and then working on that things that they need solving. And then you, nine times out of ten, nice. you'll get them. Super interesting. And then what was the turning point where you're like, look, I've, um, I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to go at this on my own. And uh... On my own was then, around that time, I just thought, I felt like a fraud. I'm teaching people to use the mind, and yet, I wanted to be a big therapist and I, and I, I was working still for a company mm. and I was like, fuck this. And I left. I remember my dad going, you're off your fucking edge. You got all that. You got all your good money, company credit card card. I said, yeah, but I felt like a fool. I'm always excessive. What I do, man. I just throw myself in too much. I did fuck myself. I shouldn't listen to my old man. I should talk. Well, I shouldn't have. It would have been an easier ride if I listened to my old man, but I don't think I would have had the younger to dive as deep into what I did and have to, you know, go through, I think the traumas and the hardship I went through after that was what made me focus on where I was going even more and visualising being the next Paul McKenna because Paul McKenna was the only therapist I know that's really famous in the 90s at his own hypnosis show, his own therapy show. But he ain't my sort of character. He's middle class, all therapists, middle class, upper class. Um, no working class people were known as therapists really, are they? And I was like, fuck that, I'm taking over the game. I'm going to be the next big thing. And I'm going to, um, I ain't changing who I am. I'm staying cockney. Fuck them. I don't need them. They're going to need mine sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm beating therapists around the world in three, two, three hour sessions, curing people what they can't do in fucking two years. So, you know, the proof's in the pudding. That's what I love to be able to go there like Mike Tyson. You know, like all the others come out of, with their fucking frills on and their nice, yeah. nice robes. He comes out of a towel with an old cut in it and just walks on, does the job and fucks off. That's my mentality. Let's get in there, yeah. iron them out, get a little and fuck off. You know what I mean? And mm. I ain't changing who I am for no one. And I think staying authentic and admitting I've got ADHD, admitting that uh, I'm dyslexic, I left school at 14. I'm, you know, that's, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have been where I was now. So like, you know, I had to stay true to who I was. And that was an hard thing to learn. And I learned that through doing sales because I was trying to act, speak with a proper, you know, a nice accent. I sounded like a knobhead. It just didn't, it just wasn't me. And, you know, I'd start my words, I was feeling embarrassed. Mm. I'd be seeing how they're looking at me, judging myself for other people's eyes. It weren't so I thought, fuck you, I'm, I'm creating myself. And I started seeing myself through my own eyes that the confidence come and the, and the creation started to get put into place. Yeah, that's incredible. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of viewers wondering what, unconscious mind therapy is so if you could just basically just describe what unconscious it is. mind therapy is my own learning of all the therapists that i've learned um i made my own techniques up and i come to realize my biggest discovery of the mind is the body mm. yeah the unconscious mind is so much more powerful than the conscious mind the unconscious runs your liver your kidneys your bowel your bladder slive in your eyes waxing your ears water in your mouth water in your eyes you know fucking goes on and on and on and on right and the fucking thing don't even sleep it don't go to sleep, does it? Still fucking poo out, still fucking pumping when you're asleep. Um, and understood that we can only think how we feel. Now, your unconscious mind is your emotions, yeah? So you can't think greater than the emotions of what you're feeling. If you feel insecure, you're making pussy fucking thoughts. Mm. If I walk into a room to pitch something and I feel insecure, I ain't going to do a good job if someone walks in there feeling confident. Mm. See, if I feel confident, I make confident thoughts. There's never been a human being in two million years while experiencing the emotion of sadness could make a happy thought. If you feel sad, you make sad thoughts. If you feel anxious, you make fucking anxious thoughts. It's as simple as that. So, you know, by creating the visualizations and the experience prior to the event inside your mind, you have to access the emotion. So what I'm good at doing is Removing the negative emotions with unconscious mind therapy, which is different, like, there's loads of techniques for that. Um, but reprogramming the emotions prior to the event to who you want to be. I'm more like solution driven. I'm more about the cure, being cured, the focus, mm-hmm. the things that you want. Um, 
I don't stay too long in the trauma. I get in there, remove the feeling, and fucking change the way you feel about it. So unconscious mind therapy is changing the way you feel about past experiences, programming new ex- new emotion inside your system so you to feel good. So if I feel confident about becoming turning my app into a fucking hundred million pound a year business, which is easy um, to do. As you can hear me, I'm saying confident, don't I? Because I've fucking seen it so many times in my head. I'm unstoppable. You know, it don't matter if an investor says yes or no. I don't give a fuck. There's another fucking 10 doors to knock out. One yeah. of them is going to say yes. Law of averages, right? So true. So yeah. I just see their failure. And they're going to be gutty. But it's got, it's got the app is unreal. Honestly, I'm not just saying it's going to fucking take over. It's going to be so big. It's better than Calms um, in a way that Calms is just one section of my app. Yeah. Yeah, me and Ted, should I say, not mine, as me and Ted worked really hard at it. Um, and we still are, you know. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's um, that's yeah. where I'm at, girl. No, 100%. And uh, thank you for explaining that. And uh, obviously, you've worked with you know, really high profile celebrities. And uh, when these people come to you, what's the starting point? Fuck knows, mate, it's everyone's different, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. I, I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't really give a shit about um, fucking a way of doing one thing. There's, I've got loads of tools in my system, and I work with the person. You know, so if if you if a, a boxer comes to me, everyone's got their own map of the world. See, um, Anna Rankin, world champion. She's from Scotland. She was a classical musician, um, and she became a boxer. And, you know what the fuck has her map got to do with gases? We come from. All we did was play football since he was a kid, and he comes from Newcastle. They've got no fucking... Their maps are completely different. The way they were brought up, the way they see the world, their values, beliefs. So, you know, it's a, it's not a question I can just answer unless you tell me the problem or, you know, I work with the individual. So, you know, the way you see something, your perception of something in the world will be different than mine, mm. you know. And so it's, it's an hard one for me to answer. What do I first do? Obviously, first of all, let's see what we're talking about. What's the problem? Where's it come from? Mm. the usual really um that's where i'd go over yeah but I, I look at people as individuals and i work with their map i don't judge anybody um i don't you know say that's the wrong way to do it because it could be right for them so it's about adapting to other people's outlooks and mirroring and trying to fill their understanding of the world first of all mm. No, 100%. And uh, is there a key or most important part of the overall process that you focus in on? The overall, f- it's black and white, so you can think how you feel. They've got to feel differently about their about their future. And through visualisations, which people don't realise, they talk about a sequence or fucking magic myth shit. But if you, if you uh, that's how they put it across in that, you know, but if you do actually close your eyes and you visualise yourself in some greater place than what you are now, and you see yourself in a better situation than sitting in your fucking bedroom. Instead, you're sitting in fucking Miami on a beach and you've got a yacht or whatever the fuck it is, or, you, or it could just be you want to be married and in love or you want to own, own a home. When you close your eyes and you visualise yourself in that environment, what you're doing is, fuck the vision. The visions just manifest the emotion. Mm. That's your unconscious mind. We practice the intelligence of remembering that emotion. And to it stores in the brain as a future memory, which actually happens, yeah? So the more you visualize your goal, we practice the emotion. We visualize it again. We practice it 20, 30 days. That emotion stores. You start to memorize that emotion. Mm. Now you're thinking like a millionaire. Now you're thinking about someone who's in love and, and, and who feels loved. And, uh, and you now you're going to attract an equal. Yeah. You're going to feel like you own the ass. You're going to get them get up and drive and the, and the motivation and the, and, the, and the ability to save. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You can't think greater than how you feel. Don't mm-hmm. give a fuck who you are. Don't care what you learn, what fucking therapy. Go and, go, and, go and learn what you want about anxiety. You can be a fucking professional. You can learn every single thing, every symptom. But the minute it's your fucking chest and your heart starts pumping, you're making anxious thoughts. Don't give a fuck who you are. You can learn what you want about it. You're fucked. Once you're in, you're in. When the feeling wears off, you go, oh, I understand why that was, Roger. Yeah, it's because of, you know, the experience from the past traumas now into my mind and there's a neuro association. So fucking what? What are you going to do about it? Who gives a fuck that you understand? I don't want you to understand it. Fuck understanding. Let's, re- let's get rid of it. Let's rewire it. Let's start practicing good emotions. Let's install something worthwhile. Let's, in- let's reprogram our subconscious programs 
So I feel like I'm a powerful. So I feel that I, I, I'm already a millionaire. I feel that I'm already in love. I feel that like I'm a fucking ass owner. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you have to, you have to practice on the emotional, the emotion prior to the event. You have to feel like you've already got it. You, that you already are that person before it gets created twice outside here in your reality. Yeah, and how does someone start visualizing? Like, is there any particular method? Close your fucking eyes. <laughs> Simple as that. Like people ask me this all the time. They think, oh. You know, I'm a guru giving you fucking magic. No, you was born a visionary. Yeah. The schooling system True. took it away from you. Show me a kid that don't fucking think they're Spider-Man or say they're going to be a professional footballer. So show me fucking one. We fuck their imagination up. We take it away. You know, the schooling system, take it away and, and, and take it away from... Stop drawing on your book. This is how you work. This is how you spell. This is how you colour in. This is how you shade. And if you don't do it, how I fucking teach when I mark you as an F and the little seven-year-old goes, what's an F? It's a failure. Well, I don't want to be a failure. Well, do as you fucking told them. So a thousand kids in a school got to do the same thing the same way. Otherwise, they're made to feel like failures. Where's the fucking sense in that? And then show me that little kid who wanted to be a footballer, a ballerina, a fucking spy scale. Show me them when they're 18 years old, when they leave school. They're fucking full of fear. Oh, I don't know what I want to be. They're shitting themselves. In case they make the wrong choice. Because the schooling system teach you how not to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Which is fucking mental. Let's make fucking hundreds of them. Yeah. It's the worst that's going to happen. You, you know what I mean? Completely agree. Completely. And after time, people ain't in no better situation. If they fell, then that could happen. Yeah. What the fuck going to happen? Like, people, like, when I was growing up, people mates would be scared to ask a girl out. I thought, you ain't getting out of her now. What's the worst case that can happen? She says, no, you ain't getting out of her anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. No. Like, I couldn't get me head around that sort of thing. It's a lot of averages game. Ask 10 of them, one of them will fucking go out of you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that was from me dad putting that in my head, the law of averages. I think that's a good law that gets underwritten. You should always remember the law of averages. Yeah, no, 100%. And I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations will definitely grow you as a person. Fear equals growth at the end of the day, doesn't it? Exactly, mate. More The more uncomfortable you, you make that more familiar to put yourself in situations where it don't feel good, the more situations you're going to be able to put yourself in. Mm -hmm. So it does feel good. And actually, it becomes quite fun creating. It's just, it's just a way you can reframe things to look at things. By the age of 35, we're a higher wired set of beliefs, value, values, neurological circuitry that don't fucking change. And by the age of 35, we're panic attacks if we change mm -hmm. things. The people, get, show me someone at 35, I predict the next, speaking for 10 minutes, I predict the next 35 years of their fucking life away. Yeah. Because the program, fuck that shit. I'm cons consistently trying to grow and create. I want to be a, you know, a, I don't, you know, retirement, fuck that. Put one in my head. If I can't work and can't create and can't do shit and I'm sat at the happy window looking out of a window at some rich hospital, put one in me now. I don't want to be here. Fuck that. I want to be out there creating. If I'm in a wheelchair, I want to still be doing something. But, you know, if I can't walk anymore when I'm that old, otherwise I'm dead. I want to be dead and I want to be here. Fucking retirement, sit in the garden. You're fucking mental. That's, you're already dying. So yeah. we've got this belief that we've got to retire or we're getting old. You're not, your body's, you ain't getting anything. Your spirit's the same. Mm. You're killing your spirit by accepting that. You know what I mean? Um, happiness comes from moving forward, having goals at any age. Yeah. Moving towards your goal, you know, keep moving forward, keep keep creating. Yeah. You know, you can look at, people can say it's money and wealth. If you look at, um, I watched a good, I watched a program last night, uh, this new series come out. What's his name? Sylvester Stallone, 76 years old, mate. Still making fucking movies. Still in, he's still in better shape than most 50-year-olds. Mm. And he's 75, he's still living life, you know. And that's, it's all right for him, he's had money. No, he's always had that mindset. That's what gets you the money. That's what gets you the success is your vision and keep moving forward. But people make a million excuses why they ain't got it. I mean, and there's so many fucking haters out there, aren't there? You know, so, yeah, so yeah. many people <coughs> want to see you foul. And they're so, you know, some people you just can't please because they're so horrible and just so negative because it reminds their self that they can't be, they can't fucking do what you do. And they don't know how, so they'll slag you off. So, you know, if you walked on water, They'd say it's only because you can't swim. Do you know mm. what I mean? You can, you can create a fucking miracle and walk across the fucking Thames and they'll go, it's only because you can't swim. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Find something negative in what you do. You just fucking, you just done the last person to do it was fucking Jesus. Yeah. Yet they'll still run you down for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely so, agree. So fuck them. You've got to visualize yourself. See yourself through your own eyes. Fuck everyone else. If you're not seeing yourself, you're going to see, because we've got mirrors, yeah? We're going to yeah. mirror ourselves for how other people see us. And we're all insecure. Like, we look at a girl that you fancy. Oh, they must think I'm a dickhead because that boy over there is better than me. And then you start visualising the worst, you know, for, for imagining what you think they're seeing. Which, mm -hmm. And our brain always wants to protect us. It'll show you the worst case scenario. 
And then you mm. see someone else at a job interview, oh, you know, he's going to think I'm thick because I'm only young, or whatever it is, yeah? But if you visualise yourself, you don't give a fuck how anyone else sees you. Mm. And that comes from an insecure kid with ADHD and dyslexia, yeah? Mm. I know what it feels like to feel low self-worth. That's why I do what I do as a job. Mm. Because I don't know how to experience the emotions that I live in growing up. Mm. Um, it's the worst place, it's a horrible thing to feel low self-worth, not good enough. And, you know, people... People aren't in on that at all. It's not hard to see when someone's got low self-worth and people can't wait to bully you or put things in or, you know, take the piss. Do you know what I mean? But when you start seeing yeah. yourself, it's like, fuck you. Yeah. And then you leave them behind and then they want, then they want to follow you. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And um, I guess on that, there's a lot of people who start off with really high ambition, lots of drive, and then they just never achieve their end goal. And there's a big drop-off rate between that. So I guess what, what are the key factors that really cause that drop-off rate? A lot of them, they're talking bollocks. They talk, they're trying to talk themselves into feeling confident. They're not confident at all. They're not visualised the end goal. They've not practised the emotion of having it. They practice the detail of trying to get there. Mm. And they have this idea and for 10 minutes or a day or three or even a week or month, they might see the end goal for a little bit. But then they zoom into academic world and they think about what they've got to do to make it work. Then they're looking at digits and numbers and situations and things to overcome and money to to get in. They can't afford this. If that goes wrong, this will happen. And before you know it, they're putting their focus on the journey and you start building loads of bricks up in front of you of all different things you've got to overcome and the things that you can't do, you might be able to do and money to get some help. All of a sudden, you've got this big brick wall in front of you and you can't see the end goal anymore. Yeah. So you give up. Yeah. So it's not you ain't that clever, mate. None of us are that clever. I ain't that clever to know I'm going to get my 200 mil. Fucking know it's going to happen, but I don't know. Is that I can't tell you the 100% route. I know, I know, I know roughly what's got to happen here and now, but I don't give a fuck how it happens. I know that's what's, I know what's going to happen. You know, if I've got, if I've got to drive to Manchester, I know I've got to drive north. That's about it. I don't know the fucking way. Stick mm. me sat nav on, let it direct me. And it could be a crash. It might redirect me and take me two hours longer to get there than what I expected. So fucking what? Mm. I still have faith in the sat nav that it's going to take me to Manchester. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. The focus is on the outcome. Uh, I spoke to someone earlier, uh, talking to someone about investment, and they put people together. They bored the shit out of me. Really academic. Now, most people think, listen to that speech that she gave me and think she sounds really professional. Yeah, I think I'll go with her. <laughs> Mate, fuck that. She's talking absolute bollocks, low percentages, talking in detail what companies need. I'm thinking, where's your multi-million pound company then? <laughs> where, are you, where are you doing so successful? You're begging me to fucking pitch me up between someone. What are you, if you, like, I only listen to the elite. Do you know what I mean? I only listen to the elite. I only listen to the elite in the area of their field. Otherwise, I've got no respect for them. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, 100%. Like, I spoke to a geezer the other day who's got loads of businesses, but they're not online app businesses. So I had respect for what he was saying of buying and selling products in his business. But as, if it come over to the app side of it, I wouldn't have any respect for him. What does he know? Mm. You think, oh, well, he knows business. No, we don't, mate. You don't know how apps work. It's not, it's not the same fucking thing. You know, if, I, if, I, if I want to talk to someone about being successful in the app world, I'm not going to talk to someone who owns cams. That's who I want to talk to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't talk to another cunt who, who works for them. You fucking joke. You in that little field. You think they think, and you think they'll know because they sound really intelligent about what they're doing. But really, you got to go to the elite. Yeah. Only listen to the elite. That's what I've learned. Go to the elite. If you want to be a millionaire, go and talk to millionaires. You ain't going to learn it at school. They're not going to tell you nothing that they taught you at school. None no. of what they tell you at school is going to have anything to do with what they teach you. So, I mean, if you want, to, you want to talk to the best, you want to become a boxer, go and, go and, you, want, you want to become a good boxer, you talk to a world champion or no. a British champion at least. What do you do? How many hours a day do you train? What do you have to give up? Like, if you model them, you're going to be good. No, 100%. Yeah. But you've got to be willing to do all the shit that they've done. Otherwise, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So only get your advice from the elite. And what a lot of us do is, especially youngsters, take a lot of advice from their parents. And their parents ain't multi-millionaires. They've been good workers. They might have a little business that's... I keep talking about millionaires. I might not want to be a millionaire. But you know what I'm trying to say? If, if it's in a business kind of, uh, um, area like you're talking about, you know, our parents don't know. I don't judge my... I won't talk to my parents about fucking financial intelligence or anything. Fuck that. Actually, I'll do, I'll do the complete opposite. Whenever they tell me no, I'll go the opposite direction. Mm. because they, they, what the fuck would they know? Now, they love me more than anyone. They'd give me the right advice if they had it. So the advice they're trying to give me comes from their art in a good place, but they don't fucking know. Mum mm. worked in a factory all life. My dad was a builder, noise in the pub fucking about. And what the fuck am I taking notice of them for? Mm. Like, 
you know what I mean? They've got lots of things that will take notice about family values and how to love and look after people and, you know, tradition and stuff like that. But apart from that, I ain't fucking listening to them. Would you go and listen to a, a swimming teacher to teach you how to box? Oh, no way. There you go. That's the thing, isn't it? It's making yeah. sure where you're getting your information from and who you're talking to about your, your ideas because people talk to their ideas to the wrong people and it, then that other person then talks them out of their own vision. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, I heard you on the uh, Stephen Silly podcast, uh, watched that episode, great episode. And uh, one of the key things I picked out from that was the um, lessons you've instilled in your own kids. Um, so if you could just elaborate, you know, what you've been able to teach your kids, given what you know now. Everything I do with my kids, I'll teach them to visualise and teach them to move forward and see their outcomes. You know what I mean? Um my little Louis, when he played football, I used to, didn't. I didn't have to play. I'm not a good footballer. I hate the fucking football. My days, I like one man sports. I was a good little boxer. I was. I was good at golf. Um, play guitar, like one man things, because I can't. I haven't got that. I don't like that team shit. When I was played on the wing, when I was a kid, I'd run down the wing, take a few people on, pass the ball, and the geese never scored. I think, what's the point of me doing all that? Then? I couldn't get me around that team shit. I said, well, I do the hard work. You fucked it up. So I always like to. Last sports like myself. So when my son started playing football, I was like, fuck, I can't teach him. So what I taught him was to lay, sit in bed at night and visualise footwork, visualise, you know, who he wanted to, what his player he liked, visualise, I can't remember the player he liked for Chelsea, really good with his feet. And he used to go, visualise his footwork and just keep visualising that when you go to bed, you doing it. And then all of a sudden, people start going, he's got really good feet, he's got really good feet. And at first, I didn't know what that fucking meant, but... Obviously, it meant good footwork, and yeah, he became a good little player. He played for um, Dartford Academy, and that's that's what I teach all my kids. You've got to visualize your goals, um, visualize your outcomes. You know, they go on and off of it. You know what I mean? They go through the schooling system that fucks them up. I will tell them about the schooling system. Don't listen to your teachers for your career. Listen to your teachers as an English teacher. I'll rape his brain for the information, but you know, mm. he's a genius at English. But apart from that, I have no respect for the geezer. Mm. Your maths teacher, okay, if it's a woman, have respect for her for maths, listen to her, get your fucking head down, rape her brain for that maths, get that in, knowledge in your head, but then I have no more respect for her. Mm. Why is that? Because she never left school. She's been at school her whole fucking life. What does she know about the world? Do you know what I mean? What sort of okay. financial, how financially free is she? Yeah. She isn't. She gets six weeks holiday a year, but can't really afford to fucking go anywhere. So I don't yeah. mean that horribly, you know, but, you know, they're not on Reality, fucking fortunes. They're not on fortunes. And they should be, do you know what I mean? They, you know, it's an hard job and the education's a good thing. But education is also something that is just skills that you can use. Without vision, it means nothing. Yep. Yeah, it, the, you know, I make sure my kids get vision and they get the, the skills of visualising. Whatever they want to be, they can be. And I believe they'll get jobs and they'll go up and down. But, you know, I've taught them it. So I believe sometimes if you do right by your kids and you teach them the right things... They might get knocked off track like we all do, but it's still in there. They're good yeah. people and they're going to, them learnings will kick in. I learned yeah. that in Buddhism. I just have faith. You've got to let them go, let them do their thing and have faith that, that what you've taught them will prevail sooner or later. And it always does what I've learned. My oldest boy is 24 now. He's a good businessman. He's got like food wagons, buys and sells cars. ADHD, let's go at fucking 14 as well. He did. He was a little fucker. He was. Um, but he just couldn't, stick to it but he's got he's good at maths mm. um so you know my other boy he's into music he's at college at the minute i love him doing that he loves music so he's created a vision of something he loves he started plumbing i knew he will not like it done a year done his first bit and he got into the guitar and that now he's at, um um tunbridge at a music college and he's fucking loving it you know what i mean he's like oh. jazz um, if he learns to read music, he's always going to have a career. There's not there's very rarely you find a guitarist that can read music. Mm. You'll find it in every other instrument. But if you look in like the stage magazine and the guy online, cruise ships, West End, they're all looking for guitarists that can read music. Session musicians, very difficult to find. Um, so most people learn the guitar just by knocking a few chords out and tab and stuff. But if you can learn to transfer the music over, then it's um, it's a no-brainer. So that's what he's doing at the moment. But, you know, sound engineering, he loves it all. So I love that. Little Louis school, little Laurie's doing well. But yeah, I make sure they all learn about visualisation and moving forward because the best gift I can give them is let them know that 
that's what it's about. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you yourself, um, obviously known for transforming other people's lives, but you run multiple businesses. You're highly successful, and you're a busy man. Um, how do you implement these strategies into your routine? I'm, they're they're a manifestation of that routine. That's what they are. I'm already in the zone now. I don't need to apply anything. I'm fucking there. My mind goes here and out to the future, here and out to the future, here and out to the future. I don't look back for much. I don't look back for. I look back to see how far I come and think, yeah, do you know what? I've done fucking well. That's mm. it. I stand there looking at the past and thinking of doing. I'm fucking too busy moving forward. So my my brain's done. I'm tuned. I'm like I'm love life. People go to me. Oh, you know. What do you do for you? This is what I fucking do for me. I don't go to work. I get up every day. I love it. I've been up for meetings today. I'm with you now. Tomorrow I've got some clients in my practice. Um, I've got work on, when I put the phone down, I'm recalling to probably 12, 1 o'clock in the morning tonight, doing some stuff for the chairs. I've got going in David Lloyd. I've got these mm. new, um, these new like hypnosis chairs, if you like. They're called Unconscious Mind Therapy Pods. Mm. We're in David Lloyd. First one's Farnham in, in Surrey. Then we go to, uh, what's it called? The next one we're going in is the Harbour Club at Chelsea that's owned by David Lloyd that storms he goes to a new grant. Then we're going into Chigwell. Once them three are modelled, David Lloyd said, then we're going to blast it across. They've got 133 of them. So that's going to be fucking phenomenal. A beautiful wow. chair, 700 components. They've got like 700 components in these chairs that massage it, help you relax down into feet of state work and put, you know, work on your anxiety, motivation, whatever the fuck you want to help with. It's all going to be in there. These are going in David Lloyd's around Europe. Um, they actually the first one comes out on the first of January or the second whenever the gym opens. Um it'll be already programmed and installed by the end of the month. We've got an opening day, I think, on the twenty second or twenty third of December, Farnham and Surrey. Um, David Lloyd, anyone's welcome down there. Um and then my app's gonna be released February. So we've got got lots on, so I'm just fucking working, but so I quit work. It feels to me like I'm going out of playing my mates on the estate when I was a kid. Everything I'll do, I've created. So it don't feel like work to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. It's incredible. And uh, what's the go-to-market strategy with your app? Do what, sorry? What's the uh, go-to-market strategy with your app? How are you planning on getting out there? Obviously, you've got a big following yourself. but I've got a following. I've got a big app launch in London in the first round of first week of February. We ain't done the date yet, maybe last week of January. And it's going to be um, a lot of celebrities are coming. I've got like lots of newspapers coming, Daily Mail, the Express, Sun. There's loads of them all coming down to, you know, perhaps as well. Um, that's going to be hit up in the press straight away. So that's going to fly the app straight out. I've got lots of celebrities doing endorse it. They're going to post it. Um, then I've got my own strategies to market as well. What routes to market I'm doing from obviously advertisement campaigns. Um, I've got a few up my sleeve that I can't say. Some big ballers are getting involved by the mm-hmm. looks of it. Um, but you know, you've only got to make eight pound a month subscription. Well, ten thousand people was eighty grand a month. That's nine point nine hundred and sixty grand a year. That's nearly a million quid a year straight away. Mm-hmm. So you know, you get hundred thousand. That's nearly ten million a year. That's not. That's not. It's not hard. Mm. Really, in the big scale of things, subscribers and no calms took hundreds, hundreds of thousand subscribers in the first two weeks. They've got 4.5 million subscribers, and they're just a manifestation, they're just a, a meditation app. Mm. So, this is going to go, this is going to go big. There's a lot basically. If what you pay calms, the amount of value you're going to get from my app is second to none. You get the calms experience, which is a meditation, you get a, a wall like Facebook in there that is just for manifestation and people to talk about mental health and stuff. Um, it's got a wine story on there. Um, we've got the unconscious mind therapy section where it's going to be me like, talk, you know, teaching you about anxiety, depression, all things that you need in mental health mm-hmm. work. That's another side. We've got a motivational section for motivation. We've got um, breath work, like Wim Hof style stuff going in there. Um, else we've got notifications. The manifestation app is going to, the manifestation, sorry, Journal is in there. So yep. you get that. So it's like there's loads of apps within our app. We're giving so much value. I'm, I really believe in giving value and it's very interactive. I don't want people to leave. When you get in there, I don't need to fucking leave. You can leave cars pretty easy. Only fucking meditations you're going to have before you fuck it off. Where yeah. with this, there's so much interaction in there. I want to make a little world that people want to go in and be a part of and, you know, positivity. And um, 
you know, that's it. So it's, 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 there's a lot of content in there, a lot of rooms that you can go in. So like, there's loads of apps in the app. I could make probably five apps out of what I've made there, mm. but it ain't about the greed of making the apps. I'm making value. I want to make a world that once you're in there, you're there, you know, and everything's there. Yeah. So always everything I do, look at my retreat in Spain. I've got the holistic retreat in my bar. Everything I do, I like to give more value than anyone else. Mm. So I think if I was to sell you a Mercedes Benz for 50 grand from my car lot, yeah, and it was a standard brand, brand new Mercedes, or you could go over to Brentwood in Essex, right? And you could spend 50 grand on the same Mercedes, but it's the AMG. It's got TVs in the fucking headrests. It's got, you know, everything top lever. Um, and you've got that for 50 grand, the same price. What, what are you going to get? You're going to go and get one with the, the more bits. It's more value. Yeah, exactly. No brainer. So that's how my ethos behind business is always give value. Yeah. Make sure your hearts. It's only people who do these apps and shit. There's no value in it for no one else. You can, you can't hide the facts if your passion's in it or not. You can't hide that the fact of the, you're giving your, your main focus is primarily, the primarily focus is giving value you expect the money anyway if you're a good mm. creator that ain't a fucking problem so your priority has got to be giving value if you're not giving goodness giving away then you ain't going to attract fuck all back mm. yeah 100 and uh, what's the end goal with it is it an acquisition or what what's your end strategy the end goal is to get people around the world in better mental health yeah better mindset obviously that's my goal um also with that and with that running alongside, you know, David Lloyd's going to make millions. The app's going to make millions. It gives me access to do what the fuck I want mm. in the way that I want to take mental health into another level. Yeah, mm. um, I'll take my UMT into um, into a different level where we can really start getting real help out there to help people instead of keep talking about the problem all the fucking time and putting our focus on negativity and. Anxiety is a trend word. Let's make people focus and create. And I want to open my own UMT centers out of that money that I earn. Mm. Big vision has always been for years is to go back and give back and create unconscious mind therapy centers for working class areas. That's my thing, right? I don't give a fuck about middle class areas or, or helping upper class areas because I know what it's like to come from lower working class areas like people go i'm off a council state oh yeah there's different types of council states mate there's some that are like living in the middle class area and there's some that are fucking dangerous and where i'm from was very dangerous so i want to go back to toxteth liverpool Mossine, manchester bermondsey brixton um you know east end of glasgow these are the areas that mark where my heart lives yeah because i know what it was like fear growing up you know the opportunity is not there and there's a good people and there's good there's good people there a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, which is people disconnecting. You want to disconnect if you ain't got the, you know, if you ain't got the vision, you ain't got the belief, and all you're seeing is that pain. Why do you want to live in it? Of course you're going to want to disconnect. So, you know, pick these little kids to stab you for 40 quid if you knock yeah. them. Yeah. Quid. But so if you can get people that, with that sort of passion to make money and teach them a right way and give them a vision and teach, no, they're hungry. They're, they're going to be hungrier than any middle class kid, any half a class kid, because they're already sweet. When you've been in the pain, you want to see the light. When you're in that darkness, you know, when you're drowning, you want to go and breathe for fucking air. So that's what I want to do, work on working class areas. That's just my my thing. It's a personal thing for me. I don't give a fuck what no one else thinks who it's right or wrong. Working class areas, lower working class areas, and that's what I want to give back to. And have UMT, like academies, helping the kids at schools, and you know, UMT centres, should I say. And that's what I want to go back and give. And that's, that's when I buy, that's what I want my legacy to be. Working class areas all around the country and then maybe the world, you know, you never know. But the UK is my first. Well, my first that's, that, yeah. that's amazing. What a great vision as well. And uh, wish you the best of luck with um, the app. And I'm sure it'll be thank an absolute you, success. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. But yeah, I think that's a uh, pretty good place to wrap up the podcast on, Robert. Yeah. And um yeah, really enjoyed having you on. Yeah, you provided so much useful value um, to the viewers and listeners and really can't wait to get this one out. Um, do you have any last words for the viewers? Just keep seeing the future. Just keep creating your future. Don't worry about what you've been through or what's gone on. Create new visions and stay predominantly focused to where you're going to be in the future instead of how to get there and what what's already been. 
know, you can't walk forward looking backwards. You're going to walk into a fucking wall and hurt yourself. So look where you're going. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's great. It's incredible. And it, uh, really lovely to meet you. And um, thank you for having me on. It's a real pleasure. No worries. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we, we can plug anything down in the description that you want, um, putting down the manifestation journal, uh, your social medias where people can, you, I know you provide a lot yeah. of useful content on there. Um, so yeah, we'll plug that all in the description. Uh, but yeah, as I said, absolute pleasure to meet you. Uh, wish you the best of luck with the future projects. And yeah, what a pleasure. Thank you.